I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. Ryan, how are you doing on this beautiful morning? I am doing quite well. It is uh, a lot nicer than yesterday. And uh, just yet for the record, we are being a little bit more consistent with our podcast. I'm really excited about that, trying to get that content out there. And it is a beautiful day. And hopefully it is over in Florida, which doesn't happen very consistently. No, but it's great out here. Um, I'm excited because we have another wonderful guest on the show. Uh, I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this podcast. I know um, content creation can be kind of confusing sometimes, but we have an expert that's going to walk you through the processes on how she creates content. And she does it for a lot of companies. Um, well, not really, like, uh, I guess a lot of companies, but one particular niche in, in the financial niche, which is actually what I used to do. So it's pretty interesting. Um, but we'd like to welcome Shondell Varciana onto the show today. Uh, Shondell, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, uh, by the way. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. Um, so when, when you had mentioned earlier that you, from, you lived in New Jersey, I just remember driving over there all the time when I lived in Toronto. Um, but yeah, originally from Toronto, Canada, I started working in uh, the financial industry when I was 18 um, for one of the oldest banks in Canada and then just kind of worked my way up there and left there and uh, moved to another company called Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. That's the same thing as PMI here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, um, I had a couple mortgages that I um, I had a, a, my house that I was living in and a, and a rental property and I paid both of them off in a short period of time. And my girlfriend had suggested that, um, you know, I help other people do the same thing and, uh, you know, get get a mortgage, pay it off and, you know, all of that stuff. And I thought, well, why not? That's a great idea. So I started blogging um, to, to try to give people advice and tips and things like that. And over time, um, my blog started to get popular and I was part of that whole personal finance community. And then uh, magazines and radio stations started contacting me wanting to hear my story. And that led to uh, me working with a lady by the name of Gail Vazoxlade. She's the Susie Orman, but of Canada. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. So then once I started working with her, companies started contacting me wanting me to write for them. And I was still working at Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation at the time. And uh, so I couldn't handle all of the work. So I started to hire writers at that point. And um, that's really how the, the business grew just from, you know, telling people tips and giving people tips on my experience and then just it organically grew. I didn't, at that point, I didn't even know people got paid to blog. I didn't know people got paid to, I wasn't even part of that world. So I had no clue. So when people started, you know, companies started contacting me, wanting me to write for them. I thought, you know, this is, uh, this is fun. This is great. And, um, and that's how, that's where we are today. And then I just brought the business to, 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 um, to the U S and that's how uh, we ended up here in Atlanta, Georgia. That is uh, just such a great way to get into like the industry, like you have no idea. Like it's, it's amazing to hear like stories like that where <laughs> you, it just, it just sort of like happened, right? Like you like doing it and then people just kept asking for more of it and you're like, all right, I got to scale it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thinking to start my own business. I mean, I, like I won't say I was necessarily happy when I was working at Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation. I would definitely, it had nothing to do with the company or the people. They were awesome and everything, but I wasn't fulfilled, but I didn't know what fulfillment looked like until I started blogging and realizing that I could turn that into a business. So it just kind of, it seemed like the dots connected. And um, I just thought, wow, like this is a, you know, it's kind of like you ever, something ever happened to you and you just become awakened and you realize that, wow, there's other ways, there's different ways to, to get what you want as long as you're open. 
I mean, I, I definitely, cause that's uh, not necessarily how I got into doing SEO, but um, I think anyone that does uh, search engine optimization kind of just falls into it at some point And they're like, Whoa, someone will pay me to do this. Right. Uh, I kind of figured it out. So uh, I think a lot of people like this sort of have similar stories. Um, and then you just kind of enjoy it and then you're, you, you, then you just do it for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the content creation process that you go through. So it sounds like you have a pretty big team. So I have just a couple of uh, ways I want, I want to talk about how you work. So when you were early on doing this, um, and it was just you, how did you go about doing um, like content creation? Like where did you get your ideas from? So uh, usually the companies that we worked with, uh, we would talk about topics. So I would always ask them uh, before when I first started, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I would just ask questions. And then as time progressed, I realized I needed to ask better questions and find out more background about the companies, their culture, Um, so then eventually we put together like a client audit, which, and what that does is it just gets into the nitty gritty of the background of the company. Um, because we need to understand them. We need to, uh, know, you know, what's the purpose of the content that they want to write? What are they trying to accomplish? Then we've got to get background information on their culture, um, get into the nitty gritty of how they want their message to be communicated. Then we also have to learn their audience. We have to get to know who their target audience is, get to know them and then, you know, write content that's going to resonate with them. So we need to know like, what are their, what are their pain points? What are, what questions do they have? What problems are they trying to solve? Because at the end of the day, content always needs to be solving some type of problem that your target audience has. It's not really about what you want, but it's about what they want. So we have to get to know both parties. Um, and that's typically how we start. This is before we even start coming up with topics. We, we need to know, you know, what, are, what do they want? Uh, what, are, what kind of questions do they have? What are their issues? Um, and that's how we start the process. And then, and as far as that goes to, as, as far as like the writers, you said something you know, interesting really in the beginning that you were writing this and obviously you're an authority on it. You know, you got the, the attention of local news and, uh, and other blogs and, and all that, being able to write on it and obviously sound like an expert. So when you start bringing on other writers, you want to kind of maintain that level of expertise and really sound, you know what you're talking about. How are you kind of like vetting these people that are going to be able to assist to write on things that are oftentimes complex and really take a lot of time to write like you know what you're talking about? Well, usually I will, uh, like for example, right now when we're hiring, we only hire financial writers. So we hire writers that actually have experience writing for banks. Uh, writing for credit unions, writing for mortgage companies. That just makes it easier. It's less training in terms of having to teach them about mortgage products, credit cards, and things like that. So that just makes it easier. Um, And then once we hire, then it's easy to train on style, format, tone. Uh, That, you know, that's that's easy to train because uh, they understand the foundations of what they're going to be writing about. Uh, and then it's just a matter of research and t- and then training them on our process on how, you know, like we have simple things like how, how they write. You know, we don't write more than 20 words per sentence, no more than 100 to 150 words per paragraph. There's got to be subheadings. We tell them how many subheadings per 500 word article, things like that. I mean, those are the easy things that you can teach. Um, so that's typically how we start. Uh, and then... Uh, anytime we're hiring, they always naturally have to send us samples. I can literally read the first two, three sentences and tell if it's someone that we're going to hire. That's just because I've been 
the amount of resumes I've read and the amount of content I've read over the years, you know, at this point, I can read the first two sentences and say, okay, yes or no. Um, so the, the process is not, uh, at the beginning, it was a little <clears throat> bit more difficult because I was really the only one that had that banking experience because I come from that world. Um, so, you know, it was just really just trial and error for me at the beginning until I was really able to um, know what to look for when hiring. Uh, and then knowing what to look for in the samples that they're providing. Sometimes we got to ask for more content. The meat is just not enough. So that's typically how we hire now. Do you use um, anything like Upwork? You know, yeah. I was uh, at a company that did Forex education and training, right? So um, a little bit financial. Uh, and it was kind of hard to find people that were a knew how to do that sort of stuff and had like a background in it and were good writers and were also like a price point that wasn't like, you know, like $70 an hour or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I love Upwork. Um, our very first hire was actually on Craigslist. Um, she, was, she was excellent. She's no longer with us, but she was with us for, we've been in business for six years since 2014. And she was the very first hire when, when um, we moved to Atlanta and I found her on Craigslist. Um, just lived like 20 minutes from where I was living. And yeah, it was, it was great. So I used Craigslist a lot. I use Upwork more now. Um, just because the, I, I can just get more, you know, you know, if we put up an ad, I can easily get, you know, 50 people in a day yeah. applying. So it's just more, it's just faster. So that's why Upwork is just, um, we Upwork's the preference now. Well, do, you, do you have any um, sort of like test or vetting? So instead of having to go through like 15, like I'm going to have to read 50 writing samples, do you have like a, like a little quiz for like another thing that might be a red flag ahead of time so you can maybe weed out some people yes. um, ahead of time? Yes. So we ask questions because Upwork allows you to ask screening questions. So um, right off the bat, when we get a lot of applications, if all the screening questions aren't asked, they're not even, we don't even go further. Yeah. Um, little things like that, like details following instructions, that's so important, especially in our business, because we need you to be able to be on point. And if you're not, and that's, I'm not usually that particular, like if some of, some of the, the jobs that we, we put up, sometimes they're very technical, very specific. If we're looking for a particular writer for a particular client and we need to, you know, we need to be able to get someone that could write on a specific topic that's not as general as, you know, mortgages, um, so th in those cases, I'll be a little bit more flexible because I'm not, I try to be, you know, people make mistakes, nobody's perfect. But if we get like 50, 100 applications or more, then I've got to figure out a way to screen that. So if certain things aren't filled out, then we just eliminate that. If, you know, we're, we need something more technical and we only get like 10 applicants, then I may overlook some of the things because I only have 10 applicants to go yeah. through. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that you mentioned is that you try and find pain points that the audience that you're writing for has, uh, which is, you know, obviously kind of the whole point of what you're writing for, right? You want to write something that someone has uh, that find they find use in it. Um, and that's why they come and they, and they look it up. So for, for me, I have to do this all the time. Um, I usually go to like message boards to do like research and see what people are talking out for specific subjects. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like your, your content research process when you're trying to find those pain points, like what, what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so we work with, uh, I was mentioning earlier, we work with a lot of banks, credit unions, and mortgage companies. Uh, for the most 
part, most of them are very familiar with who their target audience is mm -hmm. and what the pain points are. However, we do work with some that are not. And uh, what we usually suggest is they join Facebook groups. Facebook groups are huge when it comes to finding out what your ideal customer wants. And let me give you an example. So let's say we're working with a local bank and they're not familiar with who their target audience is and they want to target first-time home buyers. I would ask them to task somebody to go into one of the, there's so many Facebook groups for first time home buyers. And I, so I would tell them to task someone to join a couple of these Facebook groups, in particular ones that have thousands of people in them and join them and pay attention to what people are asking, pay attention to what people are talking about. And over time, you'll start to see patterns on certain questions that people are asking. And then I would also tell them to chime in there and answer some of those questions. Um, the reason why we don't do this is because they're the experts. So they, they are very, they're in the day-to-day -day, um, nitty-gritty of what's happening in the industry. So it's better for them to be in there answering questions and chiming in when people have, you know, questions and they're saying things, you know, go yeah. in and, and, you know, talk to them and get to know them and build relationships with them because those are your ideal customers, right? And then what you do with those uh, questions that people are asking over a period of time, you're going to start seeing common questions and you can start creating content to address those questions. And then we can start creating, um, you know, blog posts. And then what we typically will do is at that point, we'll take it a step further and see what keywords people are also typing into Google match that with what people are talking about in those Facebook groups. It becomes a whole marketing plan at that point. This is just the beginning. But once we find out what people are asking, then we can start going into Google and finding out, okay, what, what kinds of keywords are people typing in? We could then create content to put on their website, take snippets of those contents and put on their Facebook page. Then if they want to take it a step further, they can start creating Facebook ads to target those exact same people in the groups that they were in. So it's a holistic approach at the end of the day because then we're getting them on Facebook and Google. So that's typically how we start, and then we just grow it into a marketing plan. That's really interesting, and like I think that's a great approach. Um, and then after you create the content, do you, do you ever go like back in there and comment and be like, actually, you asked this question, we actually wrote about it right here, or you can reference this person right here to actually get them like that that social referral traffic? Is that kind of what you're you're going for as well? Yes. So you can do that as well. So it depends on the group. Sometimes a lot of these groups, these Facebook groups, they really don't want you soliciting your services. However. Uh, once you're in these groups, like if you're like if you're wanting to join these groups to find out what your target audience wants, uh, that's the other reason why I also suggest answering questions and things like that. Because once you're in there and people see that you know the same person is asking these questions, answering these questions, other people will see it and never comment or like or anything like that. And then on your page, so on the on the bank's page, they should have you know more information for the people who then come come over to their page and may want information. So that's where your point um, to, to add those things, add those links. Yeah, all of that is on their Facebook page. So, for example, when we create a blog post for a client, um, I always suggest that one blog post can be used to create like 10 to 20 different uh, social media posts. You can literally take snippets from, you know, written content and put that on social media and then link it back to your website. You can take a portion of it and turn it into audio. You can take screenshots of you know, a chart that was created in the blog post and put that on a so and then link it back. So there's many different ways that you can use one piece of content. Um, but all of that should be on your Facebook page so that when 
you're in these groups and people, you know, they're interested in wanting to know more about you, they can come to your page, then they'll probably connect with you. And now you've got, you know, that one-on-one relationship with them and you can talk to them further and hopefully get the business. One question about the content. Do you have a, a minimum word count that you usually are like, we have to hit this um, for like an article? No, the, we don't typically write anything less than 500 to 750. Like 750 is probably the, I wouldn't say there's a minimum. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it, it doesn't make sense to write a hundred words. Like that's not really going to yeah. um, do anything. But on average, I would say five, 500 to 750 would be um, good to get, you know, because when you're writing content, there's got to be enough meat in there so people can actually walk away with something, right? They, mm-hmm. The whole purpose of it is for them to, get the answers to the questions that they may have. So anything less than that, it's going to be hard to dig a little bit deeper to give people value. So I would say stick around 500 to 750 words would be good. The longer, the better. Yeah. Especially depending on the topic. Uh, if it's something that really needs to be fleshed out, you really want to go deep. Um, and Google loves that. Google loves when the longer the content, the better. They love long form content because it just goes into more detail on whatever the topic is. I, I do have a couple of questions actually from maybe like an agency standpoint. I know that we, <laughs> we talked on the beginning, our audience really, it's a lot of individuals doing SEO. Um, a lot of times like in-house, you know, the, the mail and the feedback we get is typically from that small business owners. But and this is all leading to so many things I'm curious about as an agency owner. And one of the biggest ones is really, you know, working with banks, credit unions, a lot of players, I guess, and I don't really even know who your point of contact is, but um, how bureaucratic does this real, this process really get, like as far as them approving content, giving feedback, and, and then I don't know if this is multi-pronged or too, too loaded, but I'm also kind of curious how hands-on you're able to be with like their analytics and what kind of impact the content itself is actually having if they give you that kind of feedback. Yes, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of... We, we are part of their marketing team. So we're just one aspect of their marketing content. Is, it, and it's the same thing with SEO. Uh, we, so we used to work with a lot of SEO agencies before we um, started working exclusively with uh, financial institutions. So, it, so we, we're very familiar with how all of that works. But again, we're one part of their, their larger team. So typically we will, ha- we will be in contact with the marketing director um, in a bank. And they will also have people that are doing uh, search engine optimization. They'll, they'll have an SEO department as well. So we're very, we're very um, uh, in tune with what's happening with their analytics because that's what's going to tell us if the content is working or not, right? So we'll typically get a, you know, a list of keywords. So we do an editorial calendar. So with our clients, like they know what, what content is going to be coming out for the next six months to a year. So we know, you know, okay, in October, these are the topics that we're going to be writing about in November. That's what we're going to be writing about. So the keywords and all of that we have. And then what we'll do is every quarter we, we meet and we go through the analytics and we go through, okay, what content got the most engagement? What, what content is working? What content's not working? Do we need to change up some topics? Do we need to start focusing on some other keywords? So um, we have to be, that has to be included or else we won't know what's working from what's not working. Because remember we were saying before that content, ha- the whole purpose of it is to resonate with their ideal customer. So, um, and there's, there's, we go into even more detail in terms of, well, they go into even more detail and include us in terms of, um, okay, this content that we wrote, we put these call to actions in. Did they call? Did they fill out the contact form? Uh, what was the end result? 
because then we can look at that and say, okay, based on this content, this is how many phone calls we got. This is how many people filled out the contact form. Let's start creating more content like this because this is what they like. Let's let's use that and just keep on going with it. Uh, so yes, we de- definitely get involved. I want to delve a little bit into the KPIs that you guys use, um, just in a little more detail. Um, so as you're saying, I mean, you worked so closely with like SEO agencies in the past and everything, and now it's really just more with, with financial institutions. Um, so do you have like monthly check-ins or, you know, like how are you judging all the success of, of an article? Uh, so no, we don't do monthly check-ins. We do quarterly. Um, we'll usually meet with their, we'll usually meet with their marketing department uh, every quarter. Sometimes it's not necessarily every quarter because it also depends on when they meet as well. Yeah. But I, would say, I would say on average, it's about every few months uh, we'll meet with them. And cause we, so we are not an SEO agency. We, mm-hmm. we are just a content writing agency. So we do not do the analytics that's done in house or some, some of our clients work with SEO agencies. So then we work with the SEO agency in terms of content. Yeah, but most of them have. Some of them are doing it in house. Some of them depends on the size. Yeah, because we work with you know yeah. big ones and large ones and medium sized ones. So it depends on the size. So the ones that um, either way it will either work with the SEO agency if they have an outside SEO agency, and if they don't and it's in- internal, then we work with um, whoever is in charge of SEO. Um, yeah financial institution, we do work with them. So that's not information that comes from us. That's information that would come from either the SEO agency that they've hired or their internal uh, marketing. Okay. Yeah. Do they normally, do they like go over anything with you guys in like your, your quarters or like, oh, we love this one. This one did yeah. really well and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. So we'll, we'll look at the analytics and, and um, I'm able to see you know, this piece of content that we wrote, this did really well. And then what happens is they'll say, okay, well, let's come up with some more uh, topics around this. So then we'll go back and we'll come up with some more topics. We'll typically go back to them and say, okay, this is what we came up with. Do you like this? Um, and some of our clients want us to even go a little bit more deeper in terms of, okay, do a, do a um, overview of what you're going to include in this topic. And we'll do that as well. Um, just to make sure that, um, you know, it's going to resonate. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and do that. But yes, we, we definitely need to make sure that the content that we're writing is resonating. And if it's not, then we'll, you know, we'll change it up and uh, try something different. And again, uh, the, the content that we're writing always will come back to um, the analytics as well as if they're, if they're in these Facebook groups that I was mentioning, what are they talking about? Like, um, and, and not just Facebook groups. It's also, I also tell them, you know, pay attention to what people are asking when they call into your customer service line. You know, what are, listen to common threads, common trends. What are, what are people asking? So it, it really is a holistic approach, and it takes all of us to come together to try to um, create something that is going to be of value to your ideal customer. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. What can we do to provide as much value as possible to your ideal customer so that they will use your service, buy your products, and so forth? For your team, is it kind of your responsibility or do you collaborate with like your respective SEO team about like really enhancing enhancing the visibility of, you know, your SERP? So do you guys like ever um, collaborate or work on like FAQ structured data to kind of make your listing pop like a meta description with maybe special characters, meta titles, sensationalist title, like first year of your mortgage is on us, like anything like that? Yes. That'll, that'll assist with that. 
Yeah, so you're, you're talking about do we uh, do that for our clients? Yeah, like is it kind of your, your responsibility to be like, okay, we're writing this great content, it's getting great visibility. You know, sometimes a lot of bunch of keywords rank in the top three, but how can we really push that CTR, you know, the, um, click through through the roof by doing including like additional things to enhance our, our positioning? Yes. Um, so we look at things like, like I'll give you an example. Uh, some of the content that really does well just in general um, our, our content that has video in it as well. So a lot of the content we write, you know, it's not just written content. Sometimes we'll throw some audio in there. Sometimes we'll put some charts and graphics and we'll put videos in there as well. And videos, videos seem to do really, really well within the content um, and get a lot of engagement. So then we'll just do more of that. We'll just add more video. And then uh, a lot of times with our customers, they've got a lot of video just from, you know, the CEO may have done a video or, you know, just some people in, in the, in their, in the bank may have done some promotional videos. So we can tie that into the content that we're writing and throw that video in, um, audio. Some, some of our, our customers actually do podcasts as well. So I may throw in a clip from, uh, the podcast, mm-hmm. throw that into the content as well. So all of that stuff will help to drive. Well, we don't know if it's necessarily going to help, but the example that I'm talking about, it did help. So now we just do more of that we push more of that because that's what their, that particular audience likes. And if we put some, we'll even put infographics in some of the content we write. Um, so we, we test a lot to see what is going to resonate most with the audience. And then we just do more of that. And some, we, I've had situations where we'll do more of that. And then, you know, after four months, mm, they don't really like that anymore. All right. So then we'll change it up. Mm-hmm. And when we change it up, I'm always asking because I always ta- ask them to make sure you have people that are constantly engaging with the audience on social media so we can have a pulse on what's going on, right? Because people change, things change. Um, so we want to, you got to make sure that you're always building those relationships and nurturing those relationships with your customers so that you can come back to us and say, okay, well, this is what people are talking about now. Let's start creating content to, to address that, right? Because if we're just focused on what, has worked for the past six months and then your audience is talking about something different, but you don't know what they're talking about now because you're not in front of them, then, you know, it's just going to go on deaf ears. You understand what I'm saying? So it's always important to be where your customers are and be a part of the conversation that they're having continuously. So you can always, because that's the only way you're really able to provide value to them if you're always there with them, right? If you're on that journey that they're on with them, it's like you're having a friend, like you two. Like I, when I when I first came on the podcast before you started recording, I, I thought to myself, these two these two guys are probably friends. Like they really like each other. I can just hear it. No, I, I don't like Ryan at all. Really, that's that's funny. <laughs> We're in it for the podcast. It's like a, a, a divorce, and the and our kid is the podcast. Actually, yeah, so. no, we we've known each other for like I don't know, almost uh, at least seven years. Seven years now, yeah. So we have a good working friendship. So. And I could tell, I could tell, and that's that's what I mean when I say you know you've got to build that relationship with your ideal customer. And I know that. Um, you know, it's, it's not always possible to have like a face-to-face friendship, but you can build those same friendships and relationships online. You really mm-hmm. can. That's where, we, that's where we're at in society. So that's what I mean by just always being a part of that conversation, always knowing, always having your, 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 your ear to the ground on what's happening with your target audience. That actually leads, leads me to, to one question that um, from kind of talking about that and you know, considering the engagement with content, um, and especially like in the financial sector where things really do change pretty often as yeah. far as like regulations and I, pr- 
I don't know if there's include how often include like percentages and rates and quotes and all that kind of stuff. But um, is it important for you to kind of keep tabs on all the content you're putting out that kind of says things at a certain rate or amount and then being like, oh, we have to consistently update our content based off of how things change pretty often in the financial sector? No, because we don't usually get that specific because you never know when someone's going to consume your content. So we don't really talk about rates. Um, that's usually, you know, that could be posted on their website. They can add that. But in terms of content, we're always trying to um, usually answer questions that their customers have. And things are dated too. So um, like, let's say, you know, minimum down payments change, for example. Then yes, something that, you know, was uh, posted a year ago and, you know, and that changes this year, that may not be relevant anymore. But those are dated. So that information can always be updated. And that's where social media is also really, really good because social media, um, you know, you can you can put, okay, you know, uh, minimum down payments have changed or whatever changes have been made, you can put that. And then you can also put that on the website, not in the blog section, but actually, you know, homepage of the website if it's something major. But we don't usually get into... Uh, talking about rates and things like that, things that change so, you know, um, often. All right. So I got one last question for you that we ask every guest. Do you have any horror stories? Uh, so from like working with clients or anything like that, where something just went terribly wrong? Yes. Uh, this was before we were starting, we started working with financial institutions uh, yeah, one of our writers stole uh, our clients. This was before, uh, this is when we first started. Uh, like, so this was when, uh, remember I was telling you that I started working with a lady by the name of Gail Vaz Oxlade, and then she's so big in Canada that uh, mm-hmm. I guess my name with her just led to a lot of company. You know, it's kind of like if you're on TV, it gives you the visibility and, you know. Yeah. So that, so people, a lot of companies started contacting me then, and this was a large company that we were doing work for and I was so new so this was my very first business like I've never been self-employed or anything like that I'm so green in terms of when I started this business really had to just learn things and sometimes learn the hard way so I never had any NDAs for the writers or anything like that and um, I hired a writer very good writer very very good but I did not have her sign an NDA and she stole some of the clients now this particular company that we were writing for they also didn't have us sign. They also didn't have me sign an NDA. So we were writing for them for probably about seven or eight months. So I didn't even know that uh, the writer that I had hired was stealing the clients. So this is how I found out. The, the company that uh, we were writing for, after like maybe six, seven months for writing for them, all of a sudden they sent an NDA for me to sign. And I thought, that's kind of weird. But they just worded it like, you know, we're, we're just... Um, changing some things around here and we're going to need you to sign an NDA. So I said, yeah, no problem. I mean, I, I would never think to steal any of your, this is when we were writing for an agency, but they were really large. So I thought, you know, that's not a big deal. I'll sign it today. Uh, As long as of course it makes sense, I'll sign it. And it did. It was, you know, fair. I signed it. Well, the week after that, I noticed they weren't sending us anything to write. And I, you know, reached out to them and I said, um, is there everything okay? And uh, she said, yeah, we're going to be going in a different direction. So I I knew something was up, but I didn't know what it was. And I had a friend that worked in the company and I reached out to her and I said, you know, how come they're, it it just seems so abrupt. They just stopped using us. And um, she said, well, because you've been reaching out to their customers. And I said, no, I didn't. No, I haven't. 
And then I later on found out that it was one of our writers that was poaching their customers. Ooh. And uh, yeah, that was a hard lesson to learn because they were a huge client. Like that, that one client was paying us more than my job, the job, the job that I had before that one client. Like they were, they, it was a really big client oh, and um, yeah, I lost them. Yeah. That's really awkward. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know what though? I, I reached out to the, my main contact and I, um, we still talk to this day. I said, you know, I had no clue that this was happening and please for, I apologize sincerely because that's not something I stand for. That's not something I would ever do. And I said, um, in a way, I am glad that this happened because it taught me I have to, um, cro- you know, dot my I's and cross my T's. From that moment on, I made sure everyone signed the NDA. So without that happening, maybe I would have eventually got to it. But, you know, I was so green in the business and didn't know as much. But now, you know, I make sure that, you know, I had a lawyer do it up for me and everything. So every, everything, everything we, don't, we don't take on any clients without a contract and we don't hire anybody without them signing a, a contract. So yeah, anyone listening out there, that's really good advice. And I'm sure Ryan can attest to that too. Yeah, yeah I just did the I will ruin you clause. <laughs> but it, yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow. It really, really, really was. That's tough. But um, yeah, it's just a, it's a yeah, good experience with the lawyers just making things airtight. Yes. I know that we have anything that starts using even one word that I'm not particularly familiar with gets a lawyer to, to start involved <laughs> as far yeah. as contracts. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Like it's definitely but I think too like you, you you know you just don't know what you don't know. And uh I can't say I would have changed I just didn't know. And I guess I you know now as you as you grow you learn you know better you do better, right? That's all I can really say. But I definitely I'm glad you asked that question because I hope you know that little story saves somebody from the heartache that I went through. I mean, that's, that's a great point, too, because even, you know, our, our audience doesn't mean you have to have an agency. I mean, it can be an individual. It can be, like, any any kind of arrangement where people yeah. are probably going to be like, well, if you're, like, white labeling this or you're kind of passing along what I'm doing and charging more, you know, people, you know, we, we expect the best in people, you know, it sounds like. But people, you know, they're going to find a way to exploit things or, you know, yeah. see what's in it for them. So just any any arrangement, yeah, you want to really make things airtight and, and if you have to have them sign something, then good. And if they don't, then there's probably someone else that will. So Absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because it's great because now that we have this in play, it's just automatic. Like if they're not going to sign it, we don't hire them. And we've had some writers that said they can't sign it. And I said, that's fine, um, but we can't hire you. So, it, you know, it's great because it also makes me think, what are your intentions? Why can't you sign it? It's not like we're saying, you know, uh, really the main purpose of it is so you do not go after our clients. And now that we're working with financial institutions, um, that you can't, you know, share their information or anything like that, because we get into, you know, we get a lot of information uh, that we see. So now it's even more important to have everybody on board. And I'm very big on hiring slowly and firing quickly. Uh, (laughs) We have to, because, you know, there's, this is my, my baby. This is my business on the line. So we've got to make sure we're hiring, you know, good people. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Shondell. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn because uh, that's where my ideal customer is. <laughs> uh, so my, my handle is Shondell Varciana. Uh, my website is wellvarcimedia.com, V-A-R-C-I media.com. Lots of free information on there. We, we blog on there all the time. It's updated all the time as well as 
You can get a free checklist. Uh, our guide is on there as well, and the book should be on there within the next few weeks. Um, so really just, uh, we're an open book in terms of exactly what we do to get our clients' results. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we, we put all that information out there. That's right. And we will link to those great resources uh, from, the, from the post for this uh, podcast. So if you want to check it out, just click on the links below. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone for listening. We really appreciate all you guys. Um, and be sure to like, share, or subscribe anywhere that you see our podcast in whatever format they're using to listen to it, whether it's Stitcher, Speaker, you know, iTunes, whatever it is. Do they even have iTunes anymore? I think they stopped doing that. I have to, I have to use it to, to, I don't know, back up my phone. That's what. It's oh, like yeah, yeah I know. That's, that's a big pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... But anyways, you know, we really appreciate all of our listeners. And if you have a question for us or you want to be on and you think you're like a good candidate for that, uh, feel, feel, feel free bleh, to reach out to us at seoisdead and otherwise at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook or on YouTube. Leave a comment on there. We usually respond pretty quickly to any of those things. And we've definitely had listeners that have reached out to us beyond before. So don't think that it couldn't be you. And it's it's funny, I, you know. Every podcast we do, it's like, oh, respond pretty quickly. YouTube, and I know I personally, I probably haven't logged in once. So I'm assuming that you're kind of scoping it out and seeing what's going on on the it's day. It's me. I'm day. scoping it out. Okay, you're scoping it out. Okay, Someone has good. to be the responsible one here. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, and there's only two of us. Too bad. And we need to hire someone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <can> we <laughs> we'll get start an advertising. <laughs> Maybe a free intern. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah, we do like anyways. that. Anyways, all right. But thanks everyone for listening. I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO is Dead and Otherwise. Goodbye. Bye.